I want to draw your attention to something before I jump into today's message. Excuse me. I set timers for myself now so that I know when I've gone too long. Uh, If you uh, may have noticed this when you came in, I saw a few of you take these. Uh, We are having uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it starts one week from tomorrow. I know you all are so excited. Well, you should be, at least. I shouldn't make a joke of it. Anyways, uh, so we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, Pastor Andy shared a bunch of info off the top. We have some uh, stuff related to the fast. We're going to do a Daniel fast. What that means is that you can eat a little bit of food. All right, that's a short version. This comes from uh, the book of Daniel. It's actually biblical. Wow, crazy. And uh, so we're going to do a Daniel fast. And if you want to look up the scriptures, Daniel uh, chapter 10, uh, that we find this passage. Uh, we've cited it in this document here, but you can look it up in Daniel chapter, chapter 10 and get the vibe of what we're trying to do. And uh, anyway, so the Daniel fast uh, means you can eat a little bit of food, but you're, you're watching what you eat, all right? And uh, I said this last week, if you have health conditions that your doctor has given you a diet, don't mess with it, all right? Because I'm not going to take any uh, flack for it, all right? But uh, anyways, if you're like me and you don't have any uh, health conditions in terms of food that you need to be concerned about, uh, it's really simple. So here's, here's my rule of thumb. Uh, just eat fruit and vegetables, all right? It's really simple. So uh, we've, anyways, we put a list in here, and uh, I, you know what? I don't know. Some of you are either thinking I'm crazy or you're excited. It's usually one or the other. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think we should all do this, all right? And uh, you, yeah, again, you may think I'm crazy, but that's okay. Uh, anyways, I'd love for you to take part in it. So grab one of these sheets on your way out. I won't go through it right now, but grab one on your way out, and uh, we'll have some more info sent out this week. And then we'll have some more information on Sunday. But we put this together because if you're like me, you got to go grocery shopping, right? And make sure you buy the right stuff. So anyways, we're giving you a bit of a Coles Notes version. And if you have any questions, you can speak to me about it. All right. And uh, this is the first time our church is doing something like this, at least since I've been around. So I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, really the the goal is, and if you read our emails, you've seen it when I've written it, that we really just want to bring our uh, body alignment and our spirit alignment together. That's really our goal. And so, uh, anyways, I invite you to take part of it. Uh, these things, I've done them in the past, and they've, they've really changed my life. All right? So I, I want to encourage, I'm trying to encourage you just to take part in this. So anyways, that's my uh, little blurb on that for today. All right, good stuff. So grab one of those on your way out for those that haven't already. So today's message, if you could put up the first slide, today's message is called Reset. And uh, each New Year, or the Sunday before New Year's Eve, or even on New Year's Day like last year, but this year, of course, it's New Year's Eve, I like to share a message that is geared towards the New Year. Now, when I was uh, a young, younger person in school and stuff, I could care less about the New Year. It was like, it's like you go back to school. That's what the New Year was, and it didn't, none of it mattered. But as I've grown older... Anyways, as I've grown older, I've uh, realized that the New Year is kind of a a neat opportunity for us just to, again, it's just another day, I get it, but uh, it's an opportunity for us to kind of hit the reset in our lives. And so that's what I want to encourage us today. So uh, so that's what this message is geared towards. It's geared towards the New Year. Uh, Again, I think it's one of the best natural resets throughout our year. So here's what I find in most of our lives. Our sinful self, so everyone has a sinful, has sin in their life. All right. And 
You know, sometimes we talk about it a lot. Sometimes we don't talk about it too much. But every one of us deals with sin. Every single one of us. Even Jesus dealt with sin. He was sinless, but he dealt with sin on this earth, all right? So our sinful self, the part of us that we are born with when we come into this world, the part that always, no matter how well-intentioned we are. Raise your hand if you've ever been well-intentioned about something in your life, right? You're like, I'm going to get up early tomorrow, and then you don't, right? Like, you just, I've been well-intentioned. All right. Every one of us has been well-intentioned at some point, even with significant things. But no matter what, sin pulls us from a deeper relationship with God. So some, sometimes we'll say, I'm going to read my Bible every single day this year. So we're good for a few days, maybe even a few weeks. But then our sinful self begins to pull us away, and we, oh, I'm just going to sleep in, or it's okay if I skip a day. And then we just kind of fall backwards, all right? And that's just a reality that we all have to deal with, okay? Each of us feels the pull of individualism, self-power, and elevating our personal wishes and desires above all others, including the Lord Jesus. Do you know the hardest time for me to do my devotions? Do you know what the hardest time is for me when that happens? When I'm on vacation. When I'm on vacation, I think, it's okay, it's just me. God loves me, which he does. But I, I, that's the hardest time for me. When I'm in the daily rhythm of the day-to-day week and, you know, get the schedule going each day, I find it easier. And so we just need to, it happens to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how much uh, kind of, you know, drive we put into it. There's something that's always pulling us away from God. So again, in the new year, I think it's a great chance to hit the reset. So here's a, a, a little uh, phrase for you. We crucify ourselves between two thieves. So this is referencing Jesus at the cross. We crucify ourselves between two thieves. Regret for yesterday and fear of tomorrow. Let me say it again. Uh, we crucify ourselves between two thieves. Regret for yesterday and fear of tomorrow. Only Christ offers new life. None of us can do anything except through the power of Jesus. That's it. We, we, you know, some people are really disciplined, but at the end of the day, we can't achieve what, we've, what we want to set out to achieve without Christ. Christ offers us new life, and it's only through him. So here's our first thought for today. Regret, that, uh, and that we, we want it to turn into forgiveness. So sometimes we have regret, but we need to turn it into forgiveness. So I have a, a brief story for you. I hope you laugh, because if you don't, it's a waste of time. It's this. After a vigorous sibling disagreement, three small children were put to bed. They were awakened at 2 a.m. by a terrific thunderstorm. Hearing an unusual noise upstairs, their father called out to find out what was going on. A little voice answered, we are in the closet forgiving each other. All right, they were scared to death. All right, good stuff. So here's my, <laughs> here's my first, hopefully that wasn't traumatic for anyone, reliving memories. Here's my, uh, our first thought for today. Seek forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Then we go to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the next verse. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we need to seek forgiveness. We need to seek forgiveness. Here's the first part. 
from others. We need to seek forgiveness from others. It's okay to seek forgiveness from someone. Did you know that? It's okay to seek forgiveness from someone. So uh, th- That may feel like uh, some uh, sort of uncomfortable situation, it probably would be, or a weird situation, and it, it, I get that, that it would be like that to some. But seeking forgiveness aligns our spirit with the spirit of the Lord. It actually frees us from captivity. Did you know that when we... When we seek forgiveness, when we, uh, you know, whatever, in whatever degree it is, it actually frees us from captivity. So seek forgiveness from others. Our next one here is this. Seek forgiveness from God. To me, this is the most natural and feels the most simple when it comes to forgiveness. We just ask God to forgive us. God, would you forgive me? Simple. Psalm chapter 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you. And did not cover my iniquity, I said. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So interesting, the Bible actually tells us if we don't, uh, if we hide our, our sin, we hide the things that uh, we've done against God, it actually means that we are blocking some kind of prosperity, or you could maybe say some kind of blessing. We're actually blocking it in our lives. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Some tell me life is hard. Someone may infer that God isn't fair to them. Have you confessed to the Lord, is my question. Have you confessed to the Lord? confession isn't something you just see in a movie. I always, there's always, it feels like there's a movie. I feel like uh, Zorro, the mask of Zorro was like this back in the day where he was in the, 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 the confession booth, whatever the Catholics call it, and the priest is in there and it's, I sin, Lord, you know, da, da, da. I always have that picture. Confession isn't something you just see in a movie. Confession to the Lord is a discipline. It's actually a discipline for us. We can say, probably every one of us at some point today, if we took a moment, could say this. God, I messed up. I did. Please forgive me. Every one of us. Well, Pastor, I'm pretty good. Yeah, you may be. But I can guarantee you, you need to say this. So seek forgiveness from others and seek forgiveness from God. Um, then here's our next one. Offer forgiveness. Part of forgiveness is that we are self-aware of what we've done and what we've said. Do you know, maybe I've just got the wrong friends and family. Maybe yours are nothing like mine. But I just find people these days are absolutely not self-aware. We just, like, we go off, you know, I've seen people fly off the handle and they'll say, oh, sorry, and walk away. And I'm thinking, you just blew up the room. You, you just dropped a bomb and didn't clean up the mess. We need to be self-aware of what we've done and what we've said. So every one of us falls trapped to this. Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast recently, and the host was saying that uh, one, one of the things, some people, how many of you ever stressed about family get-togethers? Anybody? Okay, just a couple times. All right. It's never happened to me course but uh so some people get you know at the holidays time christmas thanksgiving easter whatever it is 
uh, or Thursday for some people, uh, you just get stressed about meeting with family, and uh, it's interesting. And sometimes it's because some of us, <laughs> whether it's ourselves or we've had it done to us, people pick at us with, when you're with your family, right? They, they'll say something. You say things that you'd never say to nor- like everyone else, you know, whether it's someone's comment about your someone's weight or uh, how their hair is falling out. Uh, uh, I won't say something because I have a member of my family that was very traumatic about something. I was going to joke, but this is me being behaving myself, so I won't say it. But, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And the truth is, part of forgiveness is that we are actually self-aware of what we've done. We're actually self-aware. Uh, we have, uh, I'll just say this, we have one side of our family that I would call not self-aware. Or at least they struggle with it. And then the other side that are a little bit better, and one of them poked fun at one of my kids last year, and they actually right away apologized. And it actually shocked Arlene. She was like, wow, can you believe it? And the truth is, because they were, they were good that day, they were a little self-aware, I said something that was kind of mean. You know, have you ever said something mean to someone, and then afterwards you thought, that wasn't good. That, that was bad. If you say it to, like, your spouse, especially if you're like me, you say it to your wife, like, you, you don't forget it, right? Like, it, it, you, somehow you're reminded of what's been said, and you, you're just like, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Can't remember how to drive home, but I remember what you did 20 years ago. Yeah, okay. Part of forgiveness is that we are self-aware of what we've done and what we've said. The truth is, this is for every single one of us, I am a sinner, me, I'm a sinner. Guess what? You're a sinner. I'm not joking. I'm actually serious. Some of you may think, well, that's pretty rude. Why would you say something like that? Because it's true. It's true. Romans 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve Jesus. None of us. Not one. Well, Pastor, I've had a pretty good year. Yet yeah, You don't deserve him. You don't. You don't. None of us do. All, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was, how, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Why is confession of sins important? Why is it important to talk about the sin in our life, to confess it to the Lord? Why is it important? Here's a quote. Confession of sin opens a person to the work of God within them, relinquishing the power of sin over their life through the power of Jesus. Do you know that when we actually verbally confess sin to one another, we actually gain power back in our lives over that sin? Whatever it is, it could be, you could come to me, Pastor, every time I go to the convenience store, I steal a box of Smarties. Every time, I don't know what to do. I guarantee you, if you confess that to me, next time, it's going to change. I'm being serious. It's going to change. If you confess something that's really deep and dark, if you confess that to someone who, you know, don't confess it to the newspaper reporter, All right, confess it to someone that's trustworthy. But um, when we confess sin to one another, it actually increases our power. The the cost of sin, the guilt and shame of sin is actually reduced and will eventually be removed from our lives. Sometimes it's the, the guilt and shame is completely removed just by one confession. 
confessing to the Lord and confessing to someone close to you. Confession, here's the quote again, confession of sin opens a person to the work of God within them, relinquishing the power of sin over their life through the power of Jesus. Even those who have wronged you, maliciously or not, we're called to offer forgiveness. Do you know that sometimes we need to forgive people? They don't deserve it. They don't. But we're called to forgive. Sometimes we want to forgive, but we find it too difficult. I say forgive. Sometimes, church, we need a reset. Jesus has forgiven the unforgivable in each and every one of us, no matter how painful and tragic in each and every one of us. Jesus has forgiven it. So we're called to forgive one another. So offer, uh, excuse me, offer forgiveness. That's our first part. Next part is this. Offer forgiveness to yourself. Sometimes forgiving ourselves is hardest. I've learned that. Forgiving ourselves is hardest. Sometimes forgiving uh, what we've done is the hardest thing you're going to do. I think that some of us are too hard on ourselves. We're too rough on ourselves. Man, I suck. I can't do anything right. We need to stop saying those things. We need to stop it. I think some of us are too hard on ourselves. Ask the Lord to, for forgiveness and move on. If you've sinned, yeah, recognize it. Don't be ignorant and pretend it didn't happen. If there's sin in your life, that's fine. Declare it. Say, God, this is what I did. But confess it to the Lord. He will forgive you and move on. Don't dwell on the past. I won't, I, I I won't ask you to raise your hand, but... Uh, like I have a past, you know. Now my past, I'll admit, isn't as glamorous as some others, but I do have a past. Don't dwell on the past. Don't let past sin live rent-free in your memories. Do you know that most of us do that? We allow things, especially sin, we allow it to live rent-free in our mind. Don't let past sin live rent-free. In your memories. Maybe even today you say enough. You've had enough. And you seek the Lord for forgiveness and move forward. All right. So our first today was regret that turns to forgiveness. All right. Turning regret into forgiveness. Then we have the next one here is fear. We need to turn fear into faith. Two in five Canadians, about 40%, cite money as a leading stress this year. That's up from 38% last year, so it's up a bit. Other stresses in Canada are personal health. 23% of people are stressed about their personal health. 17% of people in Canada are stressed about relationships. And 16% of people are stressed about work. Among a quick look at news articles just a uh, couple days ago, in major publications from around the Western world, I found that there's other stress forms. There's sleep stress, there's burnout, there's holiday stress, anxiety among the main areas that were written about and discussed this past few days uh, in the publications I was looking through. We fear, or you could substitute stress, we fear a lot. We, we man, if people had as much faith as we do fear, I really believe things would be different in our world. We fear a lot. If you and I sat down, I was kind of picturing this. I, <laughs> I, I'm used to being uh, really upfront with people because I got to stand here and 
share with you guys every week. So there's not a lot hidden in my life. But uh, for some people, they're not, you know, the rest of you aren't really used to that. So if I say, hey, why don't you come up here and we're going to sit down. We're going to have a cup of coffee. Right here, we're going to talk honestly to each other and everyone else is going to watch. That it, You guys would enjoy it. I, I, I would kind of be okay. But the person that I asked would be scared to death. Uh, but if you and I sat down and were honest and had a real conversation, if we sat here together with one another, had a real conversation, I would bet that we'd find some form of fear as a main component to our conversation and what we're thinking about these days. Sometimes the world seems out of control. It, it just seems out of control. But things are not always as they appear. Now, I got another story for you. It's supposed to be fun. But if you don't laugh, it's not going to be fun. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Two nuns were taking supplies to a local hospital when they ran out of gas. They walked to a nearby gas station to get a portable tank of gas. Since they didn't have a gas tank, they put the gas into a bedpan. Returning their vehicle, uh, to their vehicle, they poured the gas from the bedpan. Don't ask me how they did it. Just then, two guys in a pickup drove by. One of them turned to his friend and said, Now that's what I call faith. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Faith is the ability to see what others cannot see. It is the knowledge that our lives are in the hands of God, who is completely sovereign, perfect in love, and, in, perfect in love and infinite in wisdom. Let me say that again. Uh, faith is the ability to see what others cannot see. It is the knowledge that our lives are in the hands of God who is completely sovereign, perfect in love, and in infinite in wisdom. The antidote to fear is simply faith. That's it. In Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers uh, evil assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. You are ready to face a new year when you remove the regret of yesterday through forgiveness and you replace the fear of tomorrow with faith. Let me say it again. You are ready to face a new year when you remove the regret of yesterday through forgiveness and replace the fear of tomorrow with faith. I've got, man, I've just listened to myself speak here. I've got high expectations for us this year. You can see. You are ready to face a new year when you remove the regret of yesterday through forgiveness and replace the fear of tomorrow with faith. So here's the reset part, moving forward. So kind of our, we're going to start to land this a bit. In Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Here's our next thought. The reset, moving forward. Make new priorities. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay, free, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where you are, your treasure is. There your heart will be also. I'm not sure why my mind has been going here. I'm hoping it's the leading of the Lord. But here's my question for us today. Do you have a mindset to build your own kingdom or to building God's kingdom? Is your mindset to build your own kingdom or to build God's kingdom? You see, building God's kingdom means that we put others first. We elevate the needs of our neighbors. We go to the left when the world tells us to go to the right. We seek approval from the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, and not anyone else on this, in this world. It's called an, uh, uh, Authors over the years have called it an upside-down kingdom. We're on an individual le- level for us to be the king of fools, because that's how we look in this world. Are our treasures stored here where they'll all be destroyed? You can't take nothing with you to heaven. nothing does our time and attention revolve around our needs or what God is asking of us are we focused on what we need or what God is asking of us I was thinking this week some say children are so cute they are gifts that's true but sometimes children are annoying I'm the guy in the family that tells a kid, stop being annoying. Uh, you know, and, and some people like Ar- Arlene, she'll say, you can't say that. I just didn't. I, I'm, that, I'm that uncle or relative that blows your world up. He's, I'm the first one that tells you, you're annoying. Stop it. And then the, the family member, we don't say that to our children. I know. I can see. They're annoying. Every time I see one of our uh, Northern Life Church family uh, kids around town at the mall, even here in our building in Espinola, whatever, throughout the week, I'm reminded of the Lord Jesus, and I stop. I, actually, I do this. I stop, and I say hello to the, whoever the child is, and I try to have some fun if I'm able to. Sometimes kids are grumpy. I just stay away. If they don't want to talk to me, it's like it's, I'm good. I'll let your parents deal with you. Sometimes I even have fun with my own kids, and I beat them at their own video games. It's time for us to make new priorities in our lives, even with our church. What is God calling us to for this new year? I brought up the kids because I find sometimes we all need to be a bit more Christ-like when it comes to children. Not just the kids in our church, but kids all over the map. Take time for the little ones. It's time for us to make new priorities in our lives, even with our church. What is God calling us to do, or what is he calling us to for this new year? What if we shifted our priorities in such a radical way that we completely changed the way our lives look? Would that be the worst thing, if we shifted our priorities so much that our lives look completely different? Would that be the worst thing in the world? It's time for us to shift our priorities so that God's kingdom can increase. Do you know that uh, when I look, and I'm I'm a work in progress in this area, but when I do things for God's kingdom, I'm often uh, put out in some way. It can cost me money. It can cost me time. 
It can cost me resources. It can cost me energy. But it's for God's kingdom. So it's okay. But there's a personal cost. But it's time for us to shift our priorities so that God's kingdom can increase. Again, when we think of reset moving forward, here's our next one. Receive a new perception of people. In Acts 1 verse 8 we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Christ constantly elevated the value of people. People are the only thing from earth that will last for eternity. That's it. You take the money in your pocket, your, your car, your house, you can take the chairs we're sitting in. They ain't coming. Christ, our people are the only thing from earth that will last. And Christ constantly elevated the value of people. Do we view people around us as candidates for redemption? Do we realize that we hold the key to their eternity? I want us to ask these questions of ourselves in our own life. Do we view people around us as candidates for redemption? And do we realize that we hold the key to their eternity? These are great questions and remind me that each one of us has an incredible calling on our lives. Holding the key to eternity for the people around us is the highest calling. It's the highest calling. What are we doing with the time that's being given to us and the time that's left? A friend of mine's father uh, died a week ago, so I went to the, the viewing the other day. And I, I, he, was su- he was such a wonderful man. I, I, I didn't know him very well, but I knew I know his fam- the kids, his children. Um, he's such a, he was such a man of God. And, you know, I was kind of inspired thinking a bit about him this past week. What are we doing with the time that's being given to us and the time that's left? Each of us, our days are numbered. What are we doing with that time that's left? So here's our next thought, reset, when we think of reset and moving forward. We need a new perspective on pain. Our pain may be chronic or occasional, physical or emotional, but one thing is certain. All pain is temporary. All pain is temporary. In Romans 8, verse 18, we read, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 2 Corinthians 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Day by day, you and I are being renewed. Now you're going to think, and some of you are going to say, there's no way I'm being renewed right now. I'm telling you, day by day, each and every one of us in Christ are being renewed. So we need to reset. And moving forward, we need a new perspective on pain. Again, reset. Moving forward. Keep that in your brain. We need a new passion for for purity. 1 John 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. 
and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. I want to talk about uh, physical and sexual purity for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We live in a sexually saturated culture. I actually remember people, they, they, it was like old grouchy people warning us when I was a younger person. I remember people warning us about this over the years. It doesn't seem like anyone listened. Sex has been turned into a God of our age. It really has. Every one of us must protect our purity. Well, why, Pastor? Why does it even matter? Because each of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you were bought with a price. You were. Well, I'm not that big of a deal. Yes, you are. You were bought with a price. Every one of us must protect our purity. None of us are exempt from this. Young, old, male, female, it doesn't matter. Each of us must protect our purity. Today, I invite you to a new passion, a new desire to be pure in everything you do. Pure in what you watch, what you look at, how you act, how you speak to another, how you treat one another. Treat one another pure in everything you do. Well, pastor, I'm not good in this area. How do I get there? How do I get to purity in Christ? Saturate your life in God's presence. It's really that simple. Saturate your entire life in God's presence. I don't know. uh, uh, There's lots of audio Bibles. Hit play and don't stop it. Just let the God's word just ring out in your house. It's hard for booty calls when the Bible's being read all the time, right? Seriously. Like, come on, or worship music, I don't care. Like, whatever, whatever you need. Saturate your life in God's presence. God created sex for a union between husband and wife. Within that union, there's no sin. Within the union of a husband and wife, there's no sin. If you're having sex outside of marriage, here's my suggestion. Get married. Like, what? What are we doing? Get married. If you're having sex with someone you can't marry, stop. Stop it. Take a step towards purity. I believe there are many today that need to take a step in the right direction. If you have a question of this area, come find me. I'll give you the answer that you may not want, but I'll give you what I think is a biblical answer. Take a step in the right direction. One step. That's all you need. One step in the right direction. Reset. Moving forward. Here's our next one. New personal identity. Pastor Chris, would you come? Haley, if you're able, would you come? We are pilgrims. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. Did you know that? Your final destination is not here. It was never here. Your final destination is eternity with Jesus. 
And that's, I hope, what everyone's final destination is. We are pilgrims. We're just journeying. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. Well, I was born and raised in Espanola. Good for you. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. First Peter one, uh, First Peter uh, chapter one, verse one says, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, might may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God of the uh, and Father." Of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His uh, Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused you, us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that it is that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Why did I read this passage? Because it talks about promise, and it can relate to us. We have not seen Jesus face to face, yet we know him. The apostles were actually amazed by people like us that believed in Jesus, even though we didn't see, they didn't see him face to face. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's us. Though you do not uh, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's us. You see, church, our identity is in Christ, and our final resting place is with Jesus in paradise. Our identity must be drawn from what Jesus says about us. His declarations that we are chosen, loved, adopted, set free, redeemed, forgiven. That's who we are as people of God. It's time to reset and move forward. Here's our takeaway for today. I don't have it on the screen, so you just got to listen. But it's simply this. With the help and leading of Holy Spirit, I'm going to reset my habits and tendencies today. Take a step in the direction of godliness and operate with a kingdom mindset for every area of my life. Let me say it again. With the help and leading of Holy Spirit, I'm going to reset my habits and tendencies today. Take a step in the direction of godliness and operate with a kingdom mindset for every area of my life.